Content, content, content. Content is king. I'm sure you've heard that phrase many times. If you're involved in any sort of digital entrepreneurial endeavor, and I'm guessing you are if you're listening to this, content is the key to gaining more exposure, more opportunity, and ultimately more customers. There are some brands out there that are posting up to a hundred times a day across seven main social media platforms. Now you're probably thinking, how the hell am I supposed to post a hundred times a day? Fear not, today's episode aims to make that 10 times easier for you. We're joined by Beck Power founder of Power Creative Media, which aims to serve as a content repurposing academy and agency. I sit down with Beck and really dive into the different types of content you can make for your brand, how to repurpose that content, and then distribute it in a way which helps your brand grow. Now, if you're active on any of the social media platforms out there, which you should be, this episode is a must listen. Before we get started, I'd like to give a special shout out to a review we got recently. Cat and Ham says, Omar brings the top digital nomad guests with a variety of backgrounds and businesses. This is a must listen if you're looking for inspiration and the possibilities that are out there. Thank you for the kind words, Cat and Ham. And to you, my nomad fam, I'd like to remind you to please leave a rating or a review. Every review helps this podcast become more visible to people who just may need that spark of inspiration to take the first leap. And, of course, I'll be sure to give you a shout out on a future episode. Now, without further ado, here we go. You're listening to The Nomadic Executive, hosted by Omar from nomadables.com. Join Omar as he sits down and speaks with leading online entrepreneurs, remote workers and digital nomads about everything from business strategy to travel and lifestyle design. Together, we're here to help you achieve a life of happiness, health and freedom. And now here's your host, Omar Mo. We have Beck Power. How are you, Beck? Hey, Omar. Um, I'm doing really well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thanks for coming on. So for my audience here, and we just spoke a little bit before I hit record, but go ahead and tell my audience what you do. Yeah. So um, I own a content creation agency um, out of Toronto, Canada, which you can tell that I'm not Canadian from New Zealand, but I'm here in Toronto running this agency. And we also have an academy as well. Um, I really enjoy helping people to create content and I find that most people have kind of a throw the spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks um, strategy for content. And so I really like figuring out with them what's the best uh, strategy for them so that they don't feel overwhelmed uh, and, and also figuring out what's effective because not all content is effective. Right. Right. And some sorts of content, I guess, work with some types of organizations better than other types. Definitely. Definitely. And it's really important to meet your, your audience wherever they're at. Some people don't know who you are. Some people do know who you are. There's two very different types of content. So Interesting. So the type of content that you throw off, for example, when you first start a business would be completely different than if you're a veteran in it. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely for me and I think for most people who have their, their own business, you have to um, try things and see what works at the beginning. And you are, it's, it is kind of like a, just a bit of a mess where you figure things out because you're trying to do everything and content creation is not usually very high on people's list of things to do, but I think we undervalue it a lot and uh, I'm excited to have this conversation about it. Awesome. So why don't we get started then how you got your start into content creation and your passion of like really starting your own content creation business? Yeah, definitely. So I became a nomad um, eight-ish years ago uh, and I got my start online um, with an, I had an SEO company in New Zealand um, and that was a lot of fun and figuring out things 2010. Um, and I was just trying to figure out, um, like how to do it, like how to do SEO, how to do, do content marketing. We were doing, um, all content marketing. We were doing all like blogs because in those mm. days, that's how you did it. And in 2012, the penguin update hit Google and we were totally screwed. Everything got all, super complex. Yeah. All we'd done was content uh, and we hadn't even done that much because you didn't need to, right? We did like six posts for somebody and suddenly they're on the first page of Google. It was amazing. Um, but we didn't have long before that was, uh, that stopped working. And so um, I decided that I would, you know, I'd learned how to do websites in that time. I'd learned a ton about WordPress. So I decided I'd go nomadic and I moved to Thailand and I, I started to do all my own stuff, but it was really head and miss. And I hadn't really decided what I wanted to do. So it was that thing that we kind of do. I think a lot of nomads do this. Before you continue here and I lose my train of thought, going yeah. back to you having your own SEO company, and this was your own SEO company, is that right? I was a co-founder, yeah. When the Penguin update hit, did that like completely ruin your business? Yeah, it like, was totally screwed. Just went under because yeah, you, well, you couldn't work around it. We, um, we had this strategy. Uh, there was three of us that founded it, and so it was a little bit top-heavy of the company. Right. And so we were, um, we were scrambling to figure out a way to do it. And actually at that time, and it was in 2012, I, I said, let's do niche sites. Cause we were, we had been, you know, doing blogs for people. And then I was like, this isn't going to work. Let's just get these sites to the top of Google and then rent them out to people. Um, and that was an awesome idea. And I kind of wish I would have stuck with it, honestly, cause mm. that would be making so much money by now. Absolutely. But, um, but yeah, we, we let it go and we went, we parted ways and I, I decided to go to Thailand. All right. Well, I mean, it's a great first business to start off with, I guess. Yeah. And it gave me a ton of um, experience and knowledge and ideas. And that's how I, is literally how I started online. I had a furniture business before that. I started when I was 26, importing um, furniture from China to New Zealand. Mm. But that was You've always much. been entrepreneurial. Yeah. Yeah, I have. And I, before that I did sales. So um mm. I've always been entrepreneurial. I've always been looking for new opportunities. I think in the past, what I lacked a lot of was confidence to really stick with an idea and see it through. Um, and I feel like that's, and I'm sure we'll talk about this later, but yeah, exactly. Perfectionism and also kind of permission for me. I, I really, I know people mention this sometimes and I, I feel it was real for me. It's just, um, Oh, can I actually do this? Like is someone like, is someone going to stop me? How, what are the rules? I just, I just felt like I didn't have um, the kahunas to pull anything off really. And so I kind of flailed around for a few years doing people's websites, creating content, helping with blogs. And then, um, yeah, really started to come into my own maybe three or four years ago when I started e-com 
I've really tried everything, man. I have a huge, you know, um, knowledge of the online space. I've tried. You were in this stuff. game way sooner than most people were. Yeah, and we did. Um, we did so well. I had had a business partner doing some uh, doing a drop shipping store from China back so in the day. For this five was years in ago. Thailand. Uh, yep. Yeah, okay. I was in Thailand for that. Um, so, but I was on and off. I was based in Thailand, but you know how it is. I was everywhere. But I did have a an apartment in Thailand. Um, and so we did e-com and a lot of that was about how to get traffic. How do you convert traffic? It was a lot of those type of lessons. I think we probably created less content at that time, but we still had to create some because we, we did a course. We did the store and we did a course. Uh, and so I learned about making courses and all that type of stuff. How would you um, promote that product. course without content or not doing that much content? We did, um, the, we did ads. The guy who, uh. was, who I worked with was really good at ads. That was his whole thing. And so he just ran all that stuff and I managed the actual course. Content, um, right. Yeah, they, you know, inside the course, all the clients, all the people, the Facebook group, all that type of stuff is what I did for that. Okay. Um, yeah, and so what I've noticed, what I noticed um, it recently was like all of these things that I've done, I mean, I've promoted a lot of info products over the last three years. I learned a lot about that. And, I'll, and I'll, like all this stuff has in common is content, right? Um, even if you're running ads to the content, even if your content is an ad, that's still content. Um, so yeah, just really got pa- realized how passionate I was about all of that stuff at the end of last year when I was um, working on some info products. And then decided. What do you think that is? Because it has that creativity aspect that really fosters inside of you whenever you make the content. Yeah, I I'm passionate about um, self-expression. That's the thing that's really important to me. Mm. And um, I I grew up without a lot of self-expression. I had quite a sheltered and um, restrictive childhood. And Mm. so um, it since I parents maybe. Yeah, religious background, and and since the since that um, since I kind of left that lifestyle, I realized how important it is to figure out who you are and and to have something to say in the Absolutely. world. And so I, I um, that's what I'm I'm really focused on helping people to to express themselves using their voice, using content, and stop trying to beat like beating themselves up for not writing blogs. If you're a video person, don't try to make yourself write blogs. You know what I mean? Like there's no point in beating yourself up. Embrace the thing that you love. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I preach that all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Exactly. So you were in Thailand, you started e-commerce. What happened after that? Well, um, what happened after that? I was traveling around. Oh, I decided to leave Thailand and go to Mexico. And I started a brand called Queer Hustle, which was for queer women entrepreneurs. I did a conference. It was my first live event um, in LA in 2018. And um, I just sold that last month, that brand. Congrats uh, on the exit. Thanks. Yeah. Um, that was really, that was a really fun thing, but I felt like, you know, a lot of these things I try, it's just not, I just feel, I didn't feel passionate about it after a while. I just knew that, I'm glad it existed and that's why I created it. And I found someone who was really passionate about that. Um, so I was able to move on from that. And at the same time I had started this content repurposing, um, brand last year or beginning of this year. Uh, and I was able to just focus on that. It was taking off and I couldn't write, it was like riding two horses at the same time. I couldn't do it. Mm. Um, and I just really felt strongly that I needed to focus on one thing. 
And ironically, man, like my whole, this whole time I've been hearing, you know, focus on one thing, the one thing, the one thing. And I was like, oh, it's just so fun to try all these different things. And I've got all these different skills. I could do whatever. And I was always stressed. Um, and I just realized like, holy crap, if I just do this, this is the, my golden ticket is just like carrying on with one thing. And if I would have kept on doing those niche sites in 2012, like, you know, <laughs> this would be a very yeah, different conversation, circle. right? Yeah. I'd be like, boom. But, um, but yeah, now I've learned that. I feel like that's been one of the biggest lessons over the last two years for me is like, find something that you're really passionate about and don't just go for the shiny object like this. I can see a path now forward and it's really exciting. I feel like content creation really simplifies uh, the reason why you enjoyed all of those businesses that you made in, in between when you left your first business up till the one you're in now. So in a way, like you made a full circle, but you realize what your real passion was, was the root of what all those businesses were in the first place. You know, so yeah. it was a good learning experience. Oh, it always is. I'm very happy with, obviously we always wish we would have learned these lessons faster because we mm. would have you know, made more progress. But at the end of the day, I was just, I'm so grateful for those lessons. So tell me how you got started with this current content creation business that you have. What were the steps that you took to, I guess, make that vision a reality? Yeah, I love it. So um, I always, always start a business by selling something first. I never, ever, I've never gone into debt. I've um, never tried, I've never had investment or anything like that. I always validate the idea by getting someone's credit card and I say yes to them and then I figure out how to do it. I've done that at least 10 times, you know, with all these things that I've done. Granted those businesses didn't work out cause I was like, well, this isn't for me. But um, as with this business, it was the same. It was like someone, um, someone was asking about content repurposing and I had seen the Gary Vaynerchuk deck where he explains about how it works. Yeah. 64 was, pyramid yeah. thing. Yeah. I yeah, refer I back like, to that one a lot. It's super cool. And I just loved like the, um, I mean, I, I love his brand and, and um, how flexible he is with things and how like, um, like nimble. And so I was like, this is going to be, I could do this. The instructions are all here. Like, I'm just going to do it. And listen, there was some, there was some, uh, <laughs> it was a learning curve for sure. And it, um, I did it myself the first, uh, the first few times and I figured out, you know, what softwares are good and what is, there's lots of different, um, it's a workflow. There's lots of different steps, you know, Absolutely. it's really difficult to, uh, to do all of these things because people want their content repurposed into all types of different things, GIFs, memes, um, quote cards, videos, audiograms, uh, and, it's tough to figure out if you're just starting at the beginning, how to build that workflow. But um, I was actually stranded in Mexico for a lot of this year. And so I spent a lot of time inside by myself um, working on the workflow of this business. And there wasn't anything else to do, man. Like the beach was closed. It was right. like, I'm just going to stay here. So from uh, that first, I guess, iteration of your workflow up to now, how much time have you really saved? How much have I saved? Yeah, per, I guess, piece of content. Or oh. rather, per taking a piece of content and repurposing it. 
Well, now I have a team. So I built up my team when I was in Mexico. And my goal was by the time I leave Mexico, I'm not going to be doing any of this delivery stuff anymore. Okay. And I did it. I did it uh, two weeks before I left Mexico. I had a team. We did, they would handle everything. Even now, like all I do is um, sales calls mm-hmm. and like marketing. I, I said, all I want to do is sales and marketing. Cause I really love that. I love solving problems. I love sales and marketing. And every time there's a problem or some, some kind of bottleneck or something in the agency, I jump back in, I try to solve it or I hire somebody and then we figure out how to add it to the workflow. And then I get out again and I get back into sales and marketing. Interesting. um, How'd you get your first client for that? Um, this is a question I like asking really often because getting that first initial client for any business and validating that idea the first time is always one of those problems that you kind of have to solve and find a unique solution for because every business has client acquisition done in a different way. Yeah. Well, um, what I was doing last year was booking, helping people book speaking gigs. And um, then when the the COVID started to become a thing, I uh, pivoted into podcasting. And then someone who I was doing podcasting stuff for was talking about content. And I said, oh, I could do, I do that. And um, then I said, listen, just give me 500 bucks. Let me see if I can do it. Um, And they said, yes. And um, I've never had a problem asking for money for things to try. Because if I fail, I'll just give it back to them. Um, And then they know that there's no risk or anything like that. And it's, it's like I'm being paid just to learn. And if I enjoy the process or if I can see, I mean, I don't enjoy the process of repurposing content. Like, don't get me wrong. I don't enjoy it. I'm not a details person. I, it was terrible, but I hired someone really quick to replace me at one of the stages. And then I hired someone else for the other one. And then I hired someone else and I had suddenly like six people on my team doing all this different stuff. Um, Where'd you find the hires? Um, Facebook groups mostly. Uh-huh. I hear that one a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and I, I've got a good, I guess I go with my gut on a lot of, a lot of things. So I, all the people on my team are, they're cool, man. They're really cool people. We get along great. We have like kind of parties every week and on a zoom cause we're on different time zones and stuff. So I, we just check in with each other and it's kind of, I don't want to say it's like a family or whatever, but it's, um, it's a good environment to be in. And I want to, uh, I want to help them with bonuses and stuff like that. Cause I really want to make sure that they are taken care of. I chat to them one-on-one. I think that's really important. I didn't want to just kind of like disappear right um but yeah they're all they're all invested in the thing it's not like they just do tasks and then leave they're all invested in what we're doing and they understand the bigger picture of the business and that's good do you keep like a pretty i guess uh what's the word i'm looking for pretty constant contact with your employees or is it like a weekly basis like the challenge of having virtual employees or employees that are kind of spread all over the world is being able to manage that all via zoom and like a online time card software type things, you know, and it's much different than seeing somebody in person and having some employees come to the office and running it from there. So what's, I guess your strategy yeah, to make well, it run like a well-oiled machine? 
we were doing calls once a week, but the time zone was pretty tough for my project manager. Um, she was getting up at 6 a.m. on Monday mornings and was like, this is not for me. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, let's figure it out. Um, we weren't really, the meetings that we were having weren't that important. Uh, they were important, but you could do the same thing on Slack. Like, we didn't need to have a call. So we've tried a few different things. And now we spend a lot of time posting GIFs in Slack. Um, <laughs> So that's one thing. And then, yeah, like I said, every week or two, we get together either on a call or we just happen to all be online at the same time. And then we, you know, update on what's happening. I think one of the key things actually about my staff is that very early on, I wasn't like, listen, I know that you need work, but I'm really interested to hear what you love doing. Like, what's your favorite thing? And they're like, oh, I love video editing. I really love this. And I'm like, cool, we could, I could do with that. Like, let's do it. Because it, even though there are other things I needed done, it's so important to me that someone is excited about what they're doing. Right. Very um, important. Yeah. And so I don't have anyone who's like, Oh, I have to do this thing. Every single one of them is like excited about what they're up to because I hired them to do the thing that they told me that they loved out of a whole range of jobs. So right. incredibly so, important stuff. Yeah. Do you have like some sort of workflow where they just, uh, like you ask them to do something and they just get you that work via Slack or something like that. And there isn't really that much communication between you and the employee. It's rather like you've built the processes around getting something done and you just watch it unfold. Yeah, we've got SOPs. Um, we had SOPs for the workflow. I actually mixed it up recently because I think you always should be looking at where's the, the bottleneck. Mm. And I always want to be removing bottlenecks. And we had one, it just became easier to do it a different way. And so I've restructured a little bit um, with like inside, you know, the delivery of the stuff inside the agency versus the marketing of the agency. I actually flipped it around. Um, yeah. So now a lot of the people are doing um, the marketing. A lot of the people who were inside were doing now doing the marketing stuff and vice versa. Um, we have SOPs for all the things. And when we don't, we, we create them almost immediately after we've done a couple of some you know um thing like i have a particular type of video three types of video that i do and there's sops for each one of those videos so they don't need to ask me these videos go out uh well they're about to start going out every day and they know every time i send them 10 videos they know exactly what to do with them okay I don't so you train to, them really well yeah i i'm not big on like um if there's like a lot of stuff coming in or like a lot of questions and a lot of detail stuff i'm like i just decide yourself. Yeah. So I try small to give details them a lot don't of... really matter that much. It's good yeah. because like talking to you, I can tell you're really entrepreneurial, big picture type person who yeah. really likes overseeing everything and kind of seeing that everything's working the way you want it to work, but not really micromanaging or uh, getting on people's cases too much. You know, as long as that final product looks the way you want, kind of want it to, then you're happy. Mm. And it's awesome to see that because you're able you were able to build this agency like just last year you started and you built it with teammates hired and you and you've turned it into this machine in just under a year and so so that's props to you like that's pretty awesome thanks thanks yeah i'm really i'm really happy um with it i'm really proud of what we do i and i believe in content repurposing i believe in content and i think that's the key like i said you have to love what you're doing and Mm. believe in it so let's go into the nitty gritty here then. Yeah. What kind of strategies do you have to repurpose content? 
So, um, pretty vague question to start with. No, no, it's not. I mean, I literally have like my webinars and all that stuff are about this. So <laughs> just tell you the, the layout. So, um, I do like a three, a three part system. So, uh, it was strategy, action and leverage. So the strategy obviously is, um, you know, what type of content you've got your podcast, you've got your video interview, you've got your Facebook lives or whatever you do. Uh, that's your main pillar content. And then there's a lot of other parts to the strategy. Like, um, do you prefer to do video? Do you prefer to do whatever? And what platforms are you posting on? Not all platforms are good for all businesses. Etc. So there's a whole part of strategy. Then the action obviously is just, um, you know, recording things. And actually this is always important and people forget, forget about it, but organizing your content into some Amazing. kind of organized form, because I talk to clients all the time who are like, Oh yeah, that sounds great. I need my content repurposed. And I'm like, cool, send it, like put it in this Google folder. Like that we just tell everyone to dump it into this particular folder for our organization. We have a whole thing. And people are like, Oh, uh, I don't know where it is. I'm getting people sending me stuff on iMessage. I'm like, why do I, what? <laughs> like, I don't need to, and they're sending it in Dropbox and they've got like this thing that was years ago or months ago that they recorded and they have to now email someone to find out where it is. I mean, it's crazy. Like organization, I know it's kind of like a mini rant, but if you have, if you have all your content in one place, so much easier so so what do you mean by like organizing your content do you mean like let's say i have a podcast i do and i yeah. have some instagram photographs and i have a couple of videos and stuff mm -hmm. how would if i was your client how would you like me to organize my content to pass it on to you well we like i said we've got the google folder where you just can jump dump in two, uh, two or three hours of content and we go through it and repurpose it which i'll talk about in a second but but i i keep all my content in a spreadsheet so okay. it's like, here's a video, you know, here's a list of the videos that I've got. Here's, um, you know, the folders, different folders with different images and um, like whatever video content that you've got. Um, and then like here are podcast interviews that I've been featured in, right? Like I've been featured in, I don't know, 50 or a hundred podcasts. And I have as many of them as I could find in a spreadsheet so that um, I can always access them if I want to repurpose them, if I want to find the logo to put on my website, if I want to show like, here's some podcasts I've been on, like I can access it easily without going, where the heck is that? Like, yeah, that makes sense. So you're not spending hours looking through folders of trying to find a specific photograph or a piece of audio. I guess. Yeah. Because people take two weeks to get us their content. I'm like, what are you doing? We're, like, well, that's insane. We've got work to do here. And you're like faffing around with, you already paid us two weeks ago and we're still waiting it's really frustrating. So um, yeah. I feel like it would take a lot of the pressure off of them too. But that's a side note. Sorry. Um, I think just just on that note right there, I think yeah. just thinking to myself and how more organized I could be with my own content, I think a good strategy would just be to kind of simplify it into like, here's a folder for podcasts. Here's a folder for photographs. Mm -hmm. Here's a folder for videos. Here's a folder for GIFs. And you don't even like what I used to do was separate it by date. Mm -hmm. And then that became way too overwhelming. Cause I'd have yeah. to make a new folder every day and throw some content in there. But if I just separated it by the medium, that would probably be a yeah. lot better. Yeah. That's how I do it. And listen, I'm not saying the way I do it is the best way. Like everyone has their own way, but, but I do think that a lot of the stress that we have like held in our brains is because of the disorganization of all of our digital assets. This is probably rant for another day, but um, it's, it makes you feel so much more secure and confident when you know that you've got your stuff, like your shit is literally together.
<laughs> right. I get it. Yeah. I think you could even stem that to the more disorganized you are in life, period, the harder you make things for yourself, period, it probably adds mm-hmm. more stress into your life. And that's the lesson for I've sure. started to learn quite recently as well. Yeah, definitely. Well, so the, um, the actual podcast re- or the content repurposing um, that happens, super simple. So what we do is um, we used to transcribe, we used to transcribe two or three hours of content and then have somebody go through and find clips and proofread those. We don't do that anymore um, because I, I think I decided it's faster and more cost effective to jump straight into the video and then find some um, video software that is like a multi trimmer. So you can pull out, you could just like start, stop, start, stop. You find 10 pieces of content through those videos um, that are like one minute or less. We do one minute or less because Instagram is a minute or less. Um, And then we, we transcribe those using like rev.com or just using the person who's doing it. They're only one minute. Transcribe or, or person transcribe. Um, a mix. We, it depends on the person doing it. Uh, but you could, you could send them to rev.com. You could use happy scribe. You could use, um, Otter is not high quality, but it's free. Um, but we have one minute clips, so it's not that hard for somebody just to read through it and check it. Um, and then we split the, split the audio on the video and we take the, um, audio and turn it into an audiogram using graphics from Canva that we would have previously created. Um, we have templates for all of our clients from day one. We, as soon as we get the content, we look at their branding, we get all the details and we create them little, just little like graphics and stuff like that with their colors and their branding. Um, so we do, we've got audiograms, we've got videos. Um, and the last thing or not the last thing, uh, the next thing is quotes. So we pull all the, all the good quotes that they said, it's kind of like digging for gold. We just find like these great little zingers that they said and put them on quote cards, usually with like their face or their you know, a photo of them or something. Um, and so we do a whole bunch of those. Then we write social posts, which is basically just concepts or thoughts that we had while we're reading through that they're kind of like engagement or they might be medium form okay. for Facebook or, or Instagram captions or, or stuff like or that. Something like that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, and then we can, we don't always do this depends on the thing, but we can create gifts um, using any number of gifts websites um or memes so how many pieces of content do you end up with after let's say like someone sends you an hour-long video or an hour-long podcast um a minimum of 40 individual pieces from one hour of video that's Um, amazing uh, yeah and then we change them into three uh sizes each right so or three sizes for three of those because you can't make different sizes of the text ones mm-hmm. so that's 90 so it's 100 plus any gifts or memes or stuff like that mm-hmm. um, and and, do, and then you just give it back to the client and let them post it on their own accord yeah it's funny actually um i was doing that for and we still do that for some of our clients because that's what they want but i was i was just sending them a folder of all their here's your content for the month and they're like oh crap what am i gonna do with this and so i had a bunch of people going okay um yeah sure that sounds awesome will you send me like an account of one of your clients who's been posting all this content and i was like shit no one is like people aren't posting it because they're too busy and now they just have more content so i said all right this was um maybe three months ago okay let's post it for them on a platform of their choice and let's just post once a day just to make it like a flat rule so now we have that as an option, which is we post 
we create 30 pieces of content. So um, uh, 10, 10 videos, 10 um, audiograms and 10 quotes. And then we also, oh, we do 10 social posts and we grab photos from them for like their Instagram or whatever, because you have to have an image. Mm. And so we just post every day for 30 days. Um, and then the next month they give us another hour or two of content and we do the exact same thing. And so they don't need to think about it. It's brand awareness content. And the reason that I'm so passionate about brand awareness content is because I believe that every um, audience should see your, your audience should see your face and hear your voice every single day. That's, that's the, the, uh, the nature of nurturing an audience is for them to interact with you or see you regularly. And a lot of times we, we do, we believe it when it comes to emails. Oh, you got to email your list once or twice a week or whatever. You can't leave your email list for four months. But for some reason, when it comes to content online, we don't post on LinkedIn for four months. And it's like you post something and expect something to happen. It's not going to. Exactly. Absolutely. And you said something key there. Showing your face, I've started to realize is incredibly important as well. Uh, I run a podcast, right? Obviously. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I know some people who, other people that run podcasts as well. And I know other people that are YouTubers. And I know people that uh, do a mix of both. Some Some that only write as well. And I've noticed in this day and age where attention spans are super short, where blogs aren't really nearly as relevant as they used to be. Uh, the people that are getting the most success and ramping up the most uh, traffic towards their content are the people that show their face and the people that, that talk with their voices and show their face combination of that. And which is funny because some people aren't comfortable on video, right? And other people aren't comfortable with their voice. Some people just prefer writing. Any one of them can work because some are, but some are going to be slower than others, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to end up building an audience and you want to nurture that audience in the most personal way possible and you want to build it the fastest way possible, using audio and video together with you in front of that camera, there's nothing that can beat that. 100%. I agree. Cool. Yeah. All right. So that, that was full of value there. And I've, you've got me thinking I might even use your service in the future here just to like try it out and see what it ends up like. I wanted to give a small comparison. So on my hunt to find social media managers online, not people, but like things like Hootsuite mm-hmm. and uh, Buff, Buff, Buffer and things like that, right? Yeah. I found one. I forget the name of it. And I don't even think they continue what they did anymore. But what they had was this interesting concept. It was a social media manager where, where, where it would, where you could schedule your posts out, mm-hmm. but it also had this bot that could take your content, written content and repurpose it into like a hundred pieces of content for you in minutes. And it was all via bot. And what it would do is like, you could throw, like, I, I like writing. So I threw like a two page article that I wrote on my LinkedIn once in there. And it took that, took little snippets, made 50 tweets out of it um may put random pexel like uh, stock footage on top of some of the stuff that the bot would read some words and think would be similar mm-hmm. um and all this and when i saw that i'm like yeah that could work but what happens is that it just becomes really volume oriented and it's so yeah. impersonal yeah. And it doesn't seem like it was made by a human and that's that it makes me wonder like what you do if it could ever be replaced by a bot good enough to be able to do that versus I, yeah i mean well, 
of course you'd have to still make the content as a person because you can't take away you can, a bot can't replace creativity or um, personal content but i wonder if there's ever going to be a bot strong enough to be able to do what you do in the way that you do it yeah i've been looking into that because i'm really keen to build a piece of software um that does something cool it probably won't be super epic you know i want to do something simple but that makes a big difference um I've seen a ton of the, like I, you can imagine how much time I've spent like checking that kind of stuff out. Right. There are, there's a lot of stuff online that you can, that's making it easier. Um, and there's a ton of stuff that makes it automated, but you're exactly right. It doesn't pull out the best bits. It just pulls out random bits. Random like at the end of the sentence and the beginning of this, it's like, what it doesn't make any sense out of context. And I know from the amount of effort that we put into pulling quality golden nuggets out of the things that people say like it takes us hours i pay hundreds of dollars to my team to get them to go through and find all the things could it be done sure you could just have some some program pull out random stuff and great if that's what you want but you're right it's about volume that's like amazing we can get a thousand pieces of content cool but they're just overlapping quotes from a blog post and neither none of them exactly. make sense Exactly. Yeah. And, and that's what I noticed too. I once upon a time ago, I was in charge of the social media accounts for a company. And this was back when I didn't even know how Twitter worked. So what I did, I, start, I just did that thing, that Instagram feature where you'd post something and then it put it on Twitter for you as well at the same time. And funny enough, that never built up the Twitter account because all it would do, it's say whatever the description was on your Instagram post, cut that off with a dot, 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 and then have the Instagram link, you know, and, and it just did that for, for months. Yeah. Not a single follower added, you know, it, the funny, no. you have to do quality content to you get anybody to. to look at it. And it takes effort and people are, you know, always looking for a shortcut. And uh, I think, you know, you, you've got to pay somebody, if you don't want to do it, it's totally fine. I don't want to do it. That's why I got people to do it. Mm-hmm. But um, you got to pay someone to do a good job of it. Absolutely. I think so too. So what are your future plans from here on? Well, um, we just, like I said, we've got a, uh, an academy now that I've been focusing on um, a lot because a lot of times people can't afford me to, or my team to do their content, right? They're starting out or they're whatever, they don't have the budget for it. So um, I'm teaching people how to do this themselves inside the academy. And um, we have a bunch of stuff in there that some little tools that I made, like I made this tool um, a few weeks ago that's super popular. I'm doing like a Facebook group tour right now, just like explaining it for people and presenting it. It's fun. Right. It's, um, it's uh, how to come up with a hundred content ideas in um, 10 minutes. But the cool oh. thing is you can do it. We did it in less than 10. We do it in less than 10 minutes. You, you brainstorm the hundred ideas. There's like a kind of a method to it. And then on the next page, I built this little um, uh, like a spreadsheet thingy. Well, a friend of mine did it. Let's be honest. I'm calling it a spreadsheet thingy. So, you know, I didn't do it. Um, <laughs> you, you, you click on the next page and it actually populates all this, all these different frameworks. And now there's 2000 pieces of content that it's just turned into with one click. Yeah, Super right. awesome. Um, because I find a lot of people, you know, they've got the excuse of why well, I don't know what to post on social media. And I think that that's the type of stuff that we are really helping people with in the Academy is like, Hey, now you've got ideas. How are you going to use them? What platforms are you going to use them on? What medium are you going to use? I, I want to add one resource here while you're on the, 
topic idea generation. There's yeah. a website that I use called answerthepublic.com. You've probably heard of it. Oh, I have, yeah. And all you do is you put in some keywords and it creates all the Google searches around those keywords. Like, why is this? Why is that? And gives you a ton of content ideas that I've gotten from there as well. That's super valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. Um, I should put that in my resource list, actually. That's cool. Sweet. So go on with your um, academy. Yeah. So uh, the, the other, one of the other cool things in there right now is um, we made 100 Canva templates for authority content. One thing I talk about a lot is authority content, leadership content. Explain there's a that. Ton of- oh, there's, I forgot to ask you about this. This was, this was really, really important to me too. Um, you said there's different types of content that we should put at different types times of when it were our businesses and how new or veteran, I guess we are in that business. Could you explain mm-hmm. that a little bit more? Yeah, sure. So um, when you first, when you first, I, I guess there's, you're going, you're taking a customer from A to B as your, every business's goal, right? I don't know who you are to here's some money. Like that's where we're taking people. That's the journey. That's the only journey, right? right. And so yeah. any content that you create has to meet people where they're at. So if someone doesn't know that they, um, I'll use content repurposing as an example. If someone doesn't know that they need content, why am I, why would I pitch them content repurposing? Right? So a lot of my content goes out talking about like, what is content? Why, like what platforms do you choose? All this different type of stuff. And I really try to mix it up. It's not like, it's not like every customer is at the same stage of every journey as me. And we're all moving forward at the same time. We're not. I'm meeting people every day who have never heard of me, don't know why they want, they don't know why they would want content, want to grow their business, right? So my job now is to convince them content is the way to do it. That's where I'm at there. But there's a ton of people who know who I am. Um, they have a business. They are struggling to post on social media and it's really annoying to them that they have to wake up every day and go, damn it, what am I going to post today? And then they don't post anything. And then they beat themselves up because they haven't posted on LinkedIn in four months. Well, like that's a very different type of content. Now my content is like, remember LinkedIn? Like that's a whole thing. We could be posting on that for you. Just let mm. us do it. It's a very different type of, uh, different type of content. And so um, when you're meeting all these different people, I, I mean, I have an avatar, you know how it is. Like everyone wants you to describe your avatar. I've just described mine really, really well. And I know the stages that they're at from not knowing, you know, they're just starting a business and they are like, should I set up a Facebook page or a Facebook group? Um, right down to like, I hate content. I'm so sick of staring at Instagram and not knowing what to post. I know all these problems. And, and actually, this is kind of a random point. But if you're listening to this and you've heard the avatar thing a ton, you know how everyone's like, oh, it's a woman. She's in her 30s. Her name is yeah, Jill. She does. Yeah. Well, I always thought that the ideal customer was you had to just go through the demographics like that, but it's not. And it's not. And then I thought it was psychographics, like how they see the world, which it kind of is like we have to define how they see the world because you're going to, it doesn't matter what age they are. Or what. Interesting. Right. But actually even further than that, it's not just an avatar. It's like a pain avatar. All of these things that you're describing for your avatar have to be about a pain that they have. All those things I just said, are about pain Hmm. because if you're talking about how they like to eat sushi on the weekend, like what the hell are you going to do with that? That's not useful content. So yeah, it's all about the pains. And I thought I'd just add that in because that's something I learned recently and was like, Holy crap. For sure. Yeah. Blew my mind. Cool. 
So that so that's what it is then. It's about catering to where you are in that journey. And it could literally be the same customer just at different points of that journey. If you're unknown to them, you start making introductory content, introducing yourself, how you can mm-hmm. solve a specific beginner side problem. And then as you as you get to know that customer a bit more, or maybe you meet people that know you, you build more content around specific parts that uh, can help them in, uh, I guess, more advanced level problems that they have. Uh, exactly. I get what you're saying. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the the content the, or the Canva templates that I was talking about earlier, they um, are really helpful for a, a business owner who is new, who's not really willing to outsource their content, but um, doesn't mind being on Canva and like building things, but doesn't want to spend so much time on Canva. You know how people spend hours? Oh, shit, how did this take me three hours to build six graphics? Definitely. Well, yeah. So now I have created all of this authority content. So things like, um, test, you know, testimonials, a place for them to just paste a testimonial, change one color, download, I'm done. Mm-hmm. Or, um, media features. I was featured in Forbes. Here's the thing with a little Forbes logo done. You don't have to think about it. Um, here's the best or the three things that the three keys to success in my industry or, um, all types of, you know, business framework stuff. Like, yeah, there's the Venn diagram with like the three C's or the three P's or whatever thing you teach you the three thingies. Um, There's all types of, there's a hundred different ones in there. And we created those for that purpose to have the time that you you spend creating content and all the stuff I build, all the stuff I build for that purpose is to take less time, but create better content. Very cool idea. I'll, I'll definitely have to check that out as well. And I'll make sure to put a link to that academy in my show notes for anybody else who's listening to this and found this as valuable as I did. Cool. Great. Thanks. So let's close this podcast off with two final questions here. Mm-hmm. Two questions that I ask nearly every guest that I have on. Right. So question number one, and you've been nomadic now for eight years practically. How do you feel like your perspective of life and people has changed from the moment that you left up till now? Oh my God. I am writing a book called reinvented. Like that's literally what it's called. And I feel like I reinvented myself every six months until now. Like I am not just a different person. It's just, you can't even compare it. It's in totally opposite of a person. Um, my perspective on life is so um, much, I guess, broader and I have much less fear or maybe not less fear, but I'm willing to take more action in the face of fear. Mm. Okay. Taking action. You know, fear, I think is something that I've been pondering about quite recently as well. I've been having discussions with a really close friend of mine about how fear really is the root of literally every single problem that we face as human beings. Uh, if you weren't able to do something or if you did something the wrong way, or if you overthought something or anything, it all really just stems down to fear. And I think Mm -hmm. he even went Freud at what's his name? Sigmund Freud. I think that's his name. He went Freudian on me. And he told me that every, every human emotion is just based off anxiety. And uh, (laughs) he went, I I don't even remember the whole argument that he gave me, but it was really, it was pretty sound. Um, But yeah, like I've, I've been thinking about fear a lot. Now, when it comes to like you reinventing yourself, that's so tough, isn't it? Like every six months, completely different person. In a weird way, I can relate to it because when I went to go set out on my travels, I was 
definitely a different person when I got there than when before I left my country. Mm-hmm. And then after I came back from my travels, I was a completely different person than who I was before I left. And I could see that not just in myself, but the way that my friends were uh, when I came back, they felt like they were the same people and I just felt so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I totally hear that. I think I, I left home when I was 17 and um, lived away from home for a year and then went home for a year and away for a year and went home for a year. I did that since I was 17. And then when I was 26, I left permanently, 27. Um, I left permanently. So um, for me, I felt like that, like you just said, every time I came back after I was 17, I'd come back and be like, nope, still not what I, still not where I want to be. And I'd leave again. And so each place I would go and each time I left would transform me in a different way. Um, so, and that's since I was 17, I mean, the, the, the craziness or the transformations have been much more epic since I was away and then would just move countries or start a new business or, um, learn a new skill or things like that. It's growth on steroids, really. Yeah. It's insane. Cool. That's a fantastic answer for that question. And the second and final question is something that's great for my audience here. Do you want to pay attention? If you could give one piece of advice to the audience that I have, which consists of remote workers, online entrepreneurs, digital nomads, or any sort of entrepreneurial types, to just kind of follow in your footsteps and do what you did, travel, start a business, you know, have that courage to be able to do what you did, what piece of advice would you give them? Uh not sure how to phrase it succinctly, but definitely um, what I alluded to at the beginning of this call, which was um, it was about permission and about following through and sticking with the, the thing, one thing. It doesn't, it won't be the thing. You know what I mean? Like you always think, Oh, I don't want to be doing this for 50 years. Well, you won't like everything changes. Anything that you think you're starting and how it's going to look is going to look different in two years anyway. So you just have to keep pushing forward with the thing And knowing that um, there isn't anyone that's going to stop you except yourself. So cheesy, but it's like, honestly, you're your biggest mental roadblock. Yeah. Me thinking bigger and just going like, what, how big could this get? Like how big could I create this thing? I'm not out to build an agency and an academy and like make, you know, 10 grand a month or something. Like I am building a multi-million dollar, industry like a an empire yeah and and i think you know it no one has to do that you don't have to do something like that but do whatever it is that you that's scared like that's uh, sounds so cheesy but that scares you it's scary to do that of course and i'm gonna fail a ton of times i already i'm already failing every day at tons of different stuff but it's okay like i think that that permission you you just got to grant it to yourself and let yourself do the thing that you really want to do underneath mm-hmm. all of the fear and fear of judgment and the people who won't believe in you and all that kind of stuff. You know, I find this commonality between digital nomads, people that live this lifestyle and not only that, but people in general who end up achieving things that they want to achieve. And it's the fact that they run towards their fears. Mm-hmm. I would say I would not be half the man I am today if I never ran after my fears. If instead I just kind of stayed in my comfort zone on purpose, you know, mm-hmm. Comfort zones have their places, I've realized as well. Uh, 
if you're someone who's never gotten out of their comfort zone, don't listen to this. But if you're someone that constantly thrives in fear, like I did for quite some time, I was the kind of person that lived on the edge so far that I constantly survived or thrived in fear. And if there wasn't a moment where I wasn't living in fear, I got super bored. Call it ADHD or whatever. But I realized there's a way to max that out too much too. And sometimes you got to slip back into your comfort zone just to kind of relax and you know, take it easy and take life mm-hmm. back in, in its reins. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if you can relate to that or not, but th- that's something that I had to deal with in the last year or two. Yeah, I think there's, um, it doesn't always have, they're not mutually exclusive, I think. And that's kind of a weird thing to say, but a lot of times um, when you, I've lived in that before as well. It's kind of like survival mode when you're just, constantly exactly constant and it's your um whatever part of the brain is like that is switched on for survival um it gets difficult if you're in it for a long time which i was it gets difficult to unwind Mm, um that's a good word for it yeah and so you do have to you know there was a time one of my coaches told me like just relax you know you don't have to if you just if you are happy if you're okay with 10 grand a month or whatever your number is that you're okay with let yourself just drift on by with that for a little while and just enjoy it you don't have to like push push, push, push all the time like just enjoy mm-hmm. it for a little bit because um at the end of the day like the most money the, the the month that i made the most money ever was the month i worked the least you know that because that kind of it's, I mean, it's I funny how that works like that yeah i've still yet to experience that but i know it's there and for a fact i think i've just got to scale enough to get there and it's not like i was just you know um not working or whatever i was actually out having fun i was doing the things and i previously had gone oh, i can't go out and have fun because i've got to do all this work right but once i let go of that um survival uh by voice or instinct yeah Yeah. once i let go of that and just let myself go you know what it's fine i've got enough money to pay the bills Mm. i'm just gonna um i'm just gonna chill out and like enjoy the and feel grateful you know and kind of absorb this the good vibes and that that's been really transformative for me as well Mm. that's good it really reminds me of something i i heard tim ferris say once said uh, if there's a day that you just feel like you can't get any work done or you're just really overwhelming yourself and the ball just isn't rolling, take that day off and just yeah. focus on gratitude. I say that too. Yeah. It was like, it's like give in if you don't want to, like why would you fight all day just so that you can get a blog post done or something? Like what a waste of a day. Just don't exactly. do it. If you, and I say the same thing. If you need to um, just like eat Doritos for the ca- on the couch for a day, if that's the <laughs> thing that's going to, like sometimes you got to <laughs> yeah do it and and don't feel guilty embrace that you know here's exactly. what I'm doing don't today. judge yourself for it. it why like you if you're gonna be guilty all day you might as well just be sitting at a computer feeling guilty and working like that's pointless mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good great points that's mm-hmm. that's perfect to close off on as well thank you so much for coming on today beck thanks for having me Emma. absolutely you made it to the end of the episode nomad fam Remember to leave a rating or review. Your feedback helps take this podcast to the next level. It's funny how things are sometimes. Your review could start a butterfly effect and literally end up changing someone else's life for the better. So keep that in mind. The guests are about to get crazy these upcoming months, including, yes, Pat Flynn sometime in January. I appreciate every single one of you, the Nomad Fam community. 
It's been a great ride so far and we're only getting started. So make sure to hit that subscribe button and stay along for the ride. Uh, one final thing, if you've made it this far, I want you to shoot me an email at omarmodigital at gmail.com. I would love to sit down and connect with you with a one-on-one. I want to know who you are, what you do, your story, everything about you. Because if you've made it this far, you've probably been listening for a while. So yeah, shoot me an email. Anyways, thanks for listening. Speak soon. Thanks for tuning in to The Nomadic Executive. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to leave a rating or review. Your feedback helps us reach others who need a spark of inspiration. See you next time.